Hello everyone and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. Guys, I'm thrilled to introduce to you our sponsors for today's episode, and that is World Nutrition. I have worked with World Nutrition in the past, and I'm thrilled that they are back involved because their products are incredible. I've used them for such a long time. I'm highly suspicious of what I put in my body, but they really excel with their scientifically backed food-grown supplements formulated by women for women. With over 50 scientific studies supporting their products, you're assured of their quality and effectiveness. They create products with purpose that are backed by science and using natural ingredients of exceptional quality. From my personal experience, they've really helped me in keeping me energized and feeling balanced. So if you have quite a hectic work schedule and you need something to give you that health boost, I highly suggest checking them out. They really understand the unique health needs for women. So to get started, you can take their quick and easy 60 second quiz online and that's a great way to get personalized recommendations based on your specific needs or you can do a 15 minute free consultation with their expert nutritional therapists this is my personal favorite because you'd be amazed by how much they can tell you in such a short space of time so use my code saturn returns for 15 percent off your first order to begin your health journey with world nutrition Thank you very much for sponsoring this episode and for helping us and empowering us to be the best versions of ourselves. In this episode of Saturn Returns, I'm delighted to be joined by my oldest, bestest friend, Madeline Shaw. Maddie and I have been friends since the tender age of four years old. Bearing all and being still loved. Such a powerful thing. So powerful. And I look back and think, of course, like loads of people love me for who I was and could see that, but like that but was maybe like, you didn't. Yeah, I couldn't. And he was the person that like completely broke that for me. And I think it took a while, but I feel like I'm at, you know, such a good place. Mads is just the most wonderful human being, and she really does inspire me daily. I wanted to talk to her in this episode specifically about her motherhood journey because she fell pregnant at 26, which is quite young and, you know, everyone else wasn't really at that stage of life. And she sadly suffered a miscarriage. And after that experience, being a mum became a really big part of her identity and her purpose leading up to her Saturn return. She now has a beautiful son, and in this episode, she's incredibly open about this whole experience and the grief that she encountered along the way and the fulfillment that motherhood has brought to her life. Me and Maddie also discuss living abroad, our mutual connection and love for Sydney in Australia, and how at 21 you're sat in square, she already had a pretty strong sense of who she was and where she was going. But before we get into Maddie's episode, let's check in with our astrological guide for the season, Nora. Saturn's return really confronts us with age and every fear and hope related to that. We'll feel, especially as women, but also men, the need to contemplate what seemed not as pressing before. For many, that is the experience of having children. Many will also see it play out as a need to create a project or get into a new venture that is more aligned with their inner creativity. Saturn return really gives us that extra push to create and bring new life into the world, be it a child or a brainchild. Interestingly, at this time, we start to appreciate our parents more. 
The transition into full adulthood brings understanding to their struggle and we realize that they did the best they could with the tools that they had. Some see their parents aging for the first time and others recognize the resemblances they have with the parents they used to rebel against. We develop a kind of heart and mercy for the parents we used to identify as the disciplinarian. If you're a child of divorce, you'll start to see both sides of the story and hopefully be able to forgive and let go by the time Saturn moves on. Hi, Mads. Hello. Welcome to the Saturn Returns podcast. Thank you. I'm a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as my oldest friend, one would hope so. We've known each other, actually. You are my oldest friend. Yeah, you're definitely my oldest friend as well. Yeah, I think we were four. We've got some pictures. Yeah, of us in the, like, rubber boat in the ocean. And also, I mean, you might think differently, but I would say that we've never had an argument. (laughs) Perhaps over a boy at 12. Yeah, I think think we fought an Ed Kerr. An Ed Kerr. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, fights over boys, but they were very short-lived. Oh, and then another boy dumped me because he was in love with you. Oh, God. (laughs) But we didn't have a fight over that. because it wasn't your fault. (laughs) Yeah, so aside from that, we've actually never... And also, we're we're both quite, like, docile as people. Yeah, that's true. So we're not very argumentative. But anyway, for the audience that don't know, could you explain a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, I'm a nutritional therapist um, and chef and mother. Um, I kind of began my business when I moved to Australia. I went there when I was 19 after a gap year. Kagi had paved the way a year, <laughs> a year before me and set up some new friendships for me. And um, while I was over there, I had really bad IBS and I was trying to figure out what was causing it. And I ended up going to see a naturopath and she helped me change my diet. And then I ended up eating in this cafe so much they gave me a job. And <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, I mean, you're basically funding this place so exactly. you might as well work here. <laughs> yeah, and cook there. And it was awesome. It was like a gym cafe where the guys worked out topless and the Australian Calm rugby team <laughs> ate there. Good times. <laughs> I mean, that kind of sums up Australia doesn't it so to like bring it back I mean I want to talk about Australia because it is actually quite a key component to both of our lives Mm -hmm. and our journeys I'd say because we both have a very strong affiliation with it as a country and as a city Sydney yeah definitely because me me and Millie actually paved the way a little bit we went (laughs) on our gap year and made some friends that we still all have to this day and then Mads went after but before Australia you were very very different to how you are now and I mean I'm saying that because I also was like very very different to how I am now so yeah I feel like my teens were definitely like an interesting time and I think because we grew up together and we have a lot of so many things happen to us at the same time so like both our parents divorced in a really yeah. similar way. At a really, at the at same a time. really similar time. Like both our dads had affairs with other women. Yeah. And then both of us lost a really close friend to us. And I think probably mm. at that moment in time, like a lot of things felt out of control for me. And I think... Which is, by the way, 15, around 15. Right? Around 15, yeah. yeah. I probably was a little bit younger, 14. Yeah. I think so many things felt out of control. And I think I started to like use food as a control mechanism in like a negative way and I think we grew up in the era of like Kate Moss heroin chic there was like a narrative of like 
being really skinny is the only way to be mm-hmm. and like I think I really at all costs like, yeah <laughs> like there wasn't really like this measure on like looking healthy or looking after yourself it was like if you're thin then you are beautiful and I think that was like part of like a narrative I fed myself but also an element of like a change like being a teenager is really hard in itself but also having to like go between two parents houses and like kind of deal with this like loss of like quite a key person in our lives well there was the literal lost loss of someone you know one of our closest friends that died which Mm. you know grief when you experience it in that kind of abrupt way is is a tricky thing to navigate but then also there was the loss of essentially like your family dynamic yeah you know as both of us knew like our nests to be that was disrupted you try and grab onto something that you can control Mm. and then also something I've been thinking about recently in terms of like one's relationship to one's body and food especially for a woman or a girl going through teenage years and puberty and everything and your body changing I think it can create like a slight you don't trust your body because Mm. it does suddenly develop in this way quite quickly and you can feel like it's turning on you because often part of that is like putting on a bit of weight and everything and and a flesh and filling out. And that is sometimes when that can cause that change to suddenly be like, I don't like what's happening. I don't like how I'm changing. So I'm going to try and, you know, remain small essentially. Yeah. I got caught in this like cycle and I think a lot of it was a lot of shame. If people commented that I was thin or like I wasn't eating enough, I felt shameful and I felt like I couldn't, talk to anyone about it even though I had like great friends and like a really amazing family like I kind of held it as this secret Mm -hmm. and that's almost made it worse like I think if I had been like more open and like more explorative and I think a lot of like relationships with um boys or I feel like they were boys not men (laughs) at that time (laughs) like I can clarify I I feel like I never could be vulnerable like I would never like I would be like smiley and like happy and would drink a lot and Mm -hmm. party a lot and that would be like the only surface I would show people I felt like I always went for the guys that were like a bit dickish because they would never be interested. Yeah, in that they side. don't want to delve any further. Yeah, and all the really nice guys would be like, "I'd really love to take you out for dinner," or like, "I'd love to get to know you." And like, get away from me! <laughs> yeah, literally. So I feel like I went through like a series of like, there was nothing wrong with them. They all were obviously good people, but they were just not like interested. In, they were surface level. They weren't interested, and I guess yeah, got really into partying, started clubbing a very young age like and I a guess lot. we all we did a lot, yeah, yeah we all did like there was a big group of us and we would just like party all the time and it was escapism and I think I just wanted to be cooler and older at all times <laughs> we did experience quite a lot quite young yeah definitely because we grew up in London and went to London day schools it was all quite accessible to us yeah I mean I remember like being 16 and going clubbing on Thursday night on a school night then going to school the next day. Like, mm. I'm not Rock even taking the piss. <laughs> I don't know how my mum let me get away with it. Like, I think I convinced her that <laughs> it'd be good for a long time because I'd be learning about networking. <laughs> <laughs> that shows you you always had it in you to be a businesswoman. <laughs> I mean, I know how I did it. I just stayed at my dad's and basically there were no rules there. Whereas my mum was just like pulling her hair out, being like, how am I supposed to, you know, parent my child when one parent's not doing anything. Yeah. So you experienced that 
pretty young. And then it's interesting that thing you say about there being a lot of shame around your emotions, because that shifted quite a lot when you went to Australia and the relationship you had, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. So I had a boyfriend for the first kind of year and a half, two years of being in Sydney. And I think he was like the first person I loved and like the first relationship that I was like, bed all and like you felt seen in yeah and it lasted the distance like I think I it would always get to like you know four or five months with someone and then it would end because surface level really can't sustain sustain, exactly and yeah so he was amazing and I think he had like had his own kind of emotional turmoil and I think because he was open to me about that I felt safe to do the same and when I spoke about it there was no judgment bearing all and being still loved such a powerful thing so powerful and I look back and think of course like loads of people love me for who I was and could see that but like that was maybe you didn't yeah I couldn't and he was the person that like completely broke that for me and I think it took a while but I feel like I'm at you know such a good place well it's definitely not an overnight fix no but I think that is such a an amazing step because like you say, stepping into that vulnerability and allowing yourself to be seen in a way that you feel is shameful by another yeah. human being and then still staying there and loving you, it then gives you permission to love those aspects of yourself and bring them out of the darkness and into the light and that's when the healing happens. A hundred percent. I was also in a new city where I could be anyone and I think mm-hmm. that's the amazing thing about moving overseas is like that total refresh. But that was so authentic to the true essence of who you are. Yeah, exactly. And then you came back and you were like a totally different person. I mean, Maddie always used to be like so tanned all the time in London. She came back from Australia, like the palest I've ever seen her. And she was like, I don't go in the sun anymore. I wear like, you know, SPF, SPF that's made from like coconuts or something. And I, and I eat in this like really nourishing nutritional way. And I was like, wow, she's found her thing. And you went for it from then. Yeah, that's so true. And I think when we were teenagers, we hung out with so many people with so much wealth. And I mm. think we'd always go to these like unbelievable houses. And even though at that time I was like, I'm not good enough. Like my house isn't big enough. Like mm. I'm not all these things that these other people are. And I think I came to realize in Australia that like, it's not about that. And like, it's about who you are as a person than like... Well, it was quite superficial. All yeah, really superficial. And I think I, I feel like I... I lost a lot of friends when I moved back, but not in a bad way, but like... And how old were you when you moved back? So I was 22. Yeah. To tie it back into the theme, there's like Saturn squares. So like like there's seven, 14, 21. So like those are big shifts Shifts, that happen as well. And your biggest one, I think that what obviously happens like as you're approaching your 30th, can come with like, I call it like a sieving of friends because Mm. you're kind of parting ways with the version of you you used to be and naturally with that there are going to be a lot of people that fall by the wayside because they only connected with that version of you and if you're not that version anymore where's the common ground yeah it was quite challenging yeah it's challenging and I think now you know I didn't really drink when I moved back and I still don't really now but at that time, like 22 is really young not I to mean, drink. I, no I one was not drinking. It. I was still like <laughs> drinking a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, you're You right. were really kind of like sailing that ship quite solo. <laughs> and we were all like, have fun. <laughs> and which is actually quite incredible yeah. at a very young age to have that like sovereignty of like, 
this is who I am now and this is what my values are and this is what I'm sticking to. Yeah. Whereas it would be so easy and so many people to do, they go off and they find those things and then they come back and they forget about them because it's a lot easier to and they just want to fit in. Mm. And the thoughts that I would tell myself is, no one thinks I'm fun anymore. And that was a really negative cycle that I would tell myself because I think... We well, you stop getting invited to yeah. things. <laughs> which is basically like we don't think you're fun anymore. Yeah, like, people would not invite me to, like, parties or, you know, stuff, which was, like, hard in some ways. But equally, if I was really honest, the yeah. person that I was not being invited to wasn't my true friend. Mm. And equally, you find people that, like, see you and, like, are really interested in you as a person, not you as fun drunk. And those connections are so much more fulfilling because they're authentic and it's like an instant thing when you're meeting on a level that's you know you're both on it it's like okay that's gonna be a friend rather than like playing into the sort of the fluff and the fake stuff that you have going on yeah the party scene and I think you know I mean I I met my boyfriend who's still my boyfriend now at that time when I moved back and he is a big drinker but it wasn't a problem for him which was a nice thing Mm -hmm. okay so then you felt like you found your feet quite a lot. Yeah, and I think I really threw myself into work and I was mm. so excited to ride this like new wave. Like I just started up my website and you know, health and wellness was so huge in Sydney and it was just like starting, just starting to bubble. Yeah. And I, I just kind of really went for it. Like I, for the first few years I worked every day and I was excited by it. And I never knew what I wanted to do. Like I. I never had like a specific subject at school or like I wasn't really, really good at anything where I would be like, I know I'm going to do that. But the minute I started getting into kind of food and cooking in Sydney and then back in London, I was like, this is it. And I wasn't really good at it, by the way. Can I just say like, I look back at my first recipes and I'm like, they were terrible. (laughs) And like, even now I'm like, I'm only just kind of getting better and better. Like, I'm incredibly dyslexic, so all the spellings are wrong in my blog post. Like, (laughs) photography wasn't a natural thing. But I think one talent that I had that was true to myself was being good at smiling. And I'd always been... You are very smiling. I'm naturally, like, quite an upbeat, positive, smiley person as, like, my true essence. And I think that kind of propelled me to do well in an industry. In that space. Yeah. And I think my mum runs her own business. That was really inspiring and... Both my parents love what they do, so I always wanted a job that I loved. And I think I just, yeah, I really threw, yeah, I threw myself into work. And how long did it take, would you say, for it to kind of start connecting in a meaningful way, whatever that means to you? From the beginning. From the very beginning. I don't know, the first time someone recreated a recipe to the first, like, I used to do lots of, like, cooking demos and I'd spiralise a courgette and people would be like, whoa, that's so revolutionary. I'm talking like eight years ago, you know. I just, like, even to this day, love what I do, wake up, feel really happy and grateful. And I don't know, I felt at home, Mm -hmm. even though it was a world that, like, was so unknown, there was no, like, career steps to get there. No one could tell you, like, how to do it. You just muddled your way through. One step at a time. It just was obviously just the right thing for me. Mm. What age are you now? Oh, God. So this is kind of 23 onwards, I Mm -hmm. guess. And then, so it was, like, career, career, career. And then I want to talk to you about your motherhood journey. Yeah. So I fell pregnant... 
by accident when I was 26, just turned 26. And then I think there was background to why that happened. So I was on the pill from 14 to 21 mm-hmm. and then broke up with the original Aussie boyfriend mm-hmm. and kind of was like, I don't really need it. Like I'm, I was only on the pill for, you know, one, regulating my periods and two, um, contraception. contraception. And I was like kind of getting into wellness, learning more and more. I was like, I'm going to go, go off. I don't want to put this in my body anymore. And didn't get my period for like a year. And I don't know if this is the reason it came back, but like went to see this woman in Byron Bay and was like, you know, I really need to get my period back. I haven't had it for a long time. Can you help me? And she's like, you need to stop pushing and being so masculine, you need to like open up into your feminine side and like connect with the moon. And I was like, had never heard of things like this. I was like, okay. And then anyway, did a lot of like, like dancing and like five rhythms and like all these kind of things. And then ended up very quite briefly dating this yoga teacher who was so masculine, like the embodiment of like masculine energy. And this is all in Australia. This is all in Australia. And that allowed you to le- lean and into your femininity. Literally got my period. And he said that this had happened to other people he had dated. No. <laughs> yeah. Wait. He said a few different people had lost their periods for a while and then dated him and got their periods back. Was so period miracle, everyone man. go meet him. <laughs> His number is <laughs> Yeah, like he's obviously just like allows that hold that space for like women to like relax Mm. and like be feminine and like not have to like, I don't know. Which I think is a really interesting subject and conversation in itself because we do possess both energies, but we can be out of alignment and leaning too heavily into one. And then that can cause that kind of effect. But actually by these very natural practices they can have like a really profound effect. Yeah, they did on me. So yeah, then got my period back. It was kind of irregular. And I think because there was a lot of like trauma and like fear around like, will I not be able to have a baby? Like in this really early, I think so. Like just, you know, when I saw a doctor, they said, you know, it might not be as easy for you. So when I got pregnant at 26, I was like, this is obviously it. This is fate. This is fate, like it's meant to be. And then I was going through my pregnancy and was working loads at the time and was launching this new range with Rene, another mutual friend of ours in Berlin and just started bleeding. And I was about 12 weeks and like went to like three different hospitals, couldn't get in anywhere. Finally got into one and they were like, we're really sorry you can't hear the heartbeats. And I was like, oh my God. So I had to fly back to London, cancel this event of this launch and got back. They were like, we're going to have to operate on you to remove the baby because it's too big for it to naturally come out. And they couldn't book me in. And then on the Saturday, I started going into labour. So I started getting contractions, which were, I mean, as anyone knows who's given birth, incredibly painful Went into hospital, they couldn't book me in for the operation. So they gave me morphine and then they had to like, sorry, it's quite graphic, but like this um, doctor had to put his hand up me to pull out the clots of blood because I was clotting so much. And then the next day I had my operation. And it, it was like this crazy thing where like you kind of, when you get a pregnancy test and it says pregnant, you like have suddenly planned out your life. You're like, at Christmas yeah. I'll have a baby, like all yeah. this kind of stuff. And like, even though I was so young, I just was like ready for it. I was like, bring it on and 
that being taken away from you, even though it wasn't planned, even though we were young, even though all these sorts of things were like potentially against it, it was just crazy. And I think the thing that like messed me up the most was the hormones because everything in my body was like, have a baby, have a baby. And I became totally fixated and then ended up getting pregnant, I don't know, four or five months later with Seamus, our son. So yeah, I was pregnant very young, which is nice because you are, you know, young, but it was difficult because no one else was going through it. And no one was even near. Like, well, in, no a, was, in a way, if you yeah. think about it, you kind of like replicated again, going into the stage of life that we all like got into a few years later. And <laughs> like in terms of you coming back from Australia, like sort of fresh out of being 21, being like, this is who I am. This is yeah. what I want. This is what I'm doing and going for it. Whereas we're all just still down at the pub. <laughs> and then, so it's naturally that I guess the next part, you know, 20, 26, like yeah. getting pregnant and going through that experience. I mean, the idea of that for me is like, I would know where, I'm no way ready now. Yeah. But I think that you had just for whatever reason like evolved into that state and motherhood was such an integral part of like your your purpose really it yeah. feels like I think the part about the miscarriage though is a really interesting and important conversation because I think a lot of people experience it especially yeah. for when they first get pregnant but it's just not talked about no and also what, isn't. like that trauma because on you know an emotional physical spiritual every level you are prepared for that and it's on like some capacity happening and then suddenly for that to be taken away and I don't feel like there's enough acknowledgement of the grief of that process that you experience definitely I think like you said like I didn't know anyone who had and then obviously when it happened lots of people would tell me their mums had had it or they their sisters or their friends or whatever and that was obviously really reassuring I wish I had looked after myself better and maybe seen yeah a counselor or a, you know psychiatrist or psychologist or someone I think I was very like I don't need that all I need is a baby like which was probably not the way to approach <laughs> you became quite fixated on having a baby I know I can't explain it. there was there was no rationality to it mm. it was totally emotive I guess with work with lots of things like I'm very like I want it. I'm going to go for it. And I'm like full steam ahead. Which it. is which is in contrast to who you are in a lot of ways because yeah. you are this very like chilled person. But then you have this innate steeliness that's like, that is what I'm going after and that's what I want. Yeah. And I do it in a very like gentle calm, way, gentle yeah. way. But it's I'm driven. focused and I'm very driven. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and it was baby time it was baby time so yeah I did get pregnant I actually had a really good birth and then I had an epidural which takes all the pain away and I can't recommend it enough okay like, you always knew it. you wanted to do that I always knew I wanted to do that even though everyone I met was like you're gonna have this hippie natural birth in the water yeah. and like that's the expectation I think totally of my like personality would have been that but like because of my miscarriage. And I think there was that trauma of like experiencing the contractions and then having no baby. And I think I was just like, I want to go in. I just want to like it to be really easy and relaxed and like quite a like normal, nice time. And he came out with a little <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah. And like, I remember he did that like nuzzling thing where he finds your boob and then latched on and yeah it was unbelievable 
Wow. Even now, when I see pregnant people, I'm like, it's so weird how there's a baby, like a child inside of you. Like, even though I've been through it, I'm still like in awe of the process. Like, it's so... Crazy. Like, it's so crazy. What was your experience like once you'd had the baby? Because I think that's an interesting part, because like you said, people can become fixated on the goal of having a kid. Yeah. But then what shifted for you afterwards? Because you are going into a, a complete new chapter of life and... Physically, you're going through changes hormonally and just adapting to the fact that there's now another person in life that is priority number one and and that is like how it's going to be. I think that was really easy for me. I don't know why. Maybe I mentally prepared myself during pregnancy. Maybe I had been preparing myself for a very long time without even realising it through Mm. all these different kind of shifts I'd gone through. But like you could think, oh, I was really young or I wasn't ready or all these sorts of things, but it just felt really easy. Like, not that everything was perfect, but just I found, like, bonding really easy and, like, connecting and, like, so many, like, magical moments that are, like, breathtaking. And then there are so many, like, challenging moments. And then there's just loads of, like, mundane, like, Mm. nappy changing or, like, you know, cleaning or burping. Yeah, that, like, are just, like... You could definitely fast forward through it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there are definitely a lot of boring parts. Um, but yeah, I'm really very lucky to be able to afford childcare. Mm. And because I work for myself and I had that flexibility, I feel so grateful to have had that like flexibility. And I work at home. So like even though I had a nanny, I was there for every moment. Mm. Which Maybe is really not. lucky. Yeah. So I feel like had the in my terms best of both worlds Mm. and like I'm also someone that quite likes being by herself and like that it is a quite a lonely job being a mother like you are by yourself at home a lot and I I think think that's what people find really hard yeah it quite suited me would you say then because obviously like through someone's Saturn return such a key component is establishing um your identity and your Mm. purpose would you say that like motherhood is like a really integral part of your identity now definitely yeah I think it comes with so much joy, but it also comes with a lot of fear. And that's something that I like didn't quite realise. Just the fear of loss, the fear of something happening to them. Like, I don't know whether I could survive, you know, that kind of like, you're so, you have so much love and a completely unconditional love for this thing that you've never really experienced unconditional love before. It doesn't matter if they poo on you or if they smile at you, you've still kind of got that consistent, like, heartwarming love that, like, is just shining at all times. Because I think from, I mean, to go into, like, my personal experience or their lack of, like, sometimes when I think of motherhood, I'm like, I don't know whether I'd feel that way. Yeah, I, I think that's so true, but you just can't, know that until you experience it mm. <laughs> it's a big thing to like um, <laughs> take yeah. on hope that you do because <laughs> like, you can't and <laughs> I think you would and like look some people do get postnatal depression or some people just it takes a little while to bond but like I do think that you have that capacity inside of you and like romantic love like it is so conditional like if you don't meet my needs in these ways or show up for me in these ways like 
I'll leave you. Yeah, I'll leave you or our love will go or whatever these things are like. But with children, it is just really different. And you are like connected to them in a different way. Do you think that's why it can be challenging for a relationship? Because you actually have that contrast really of like unconditional love versus... You've got, you've got a couple of conditions, buddy. A hundred percent, I think. And you don't realise that until you actually experience what real unconditional love is. Yeah, and I think obviously every relationship's different, but I think I bonded really easily. Like, that was really good for me. And I was like, you're my number one now. And that's really hard for the person that you're with because they're not getting that love from you. They're not getting that time from you. And that's something that I've, like, had to learn. And, you know, we've been together for over seven years and it's a really long time and like you go through so much together being parents and that's incredibly bonding and you become a team and that's so amazing but you've also got to just put in time and effort and more thought process into a relationship that I had never thought before Mm -hmm. because it was just really like easy and simple I think that makes sense yeah and for the listeners because obviously you have just like gone through your Saturn has there been anything else that's come up for you over the last couple of years that has been I don't know felt complicated or like there's been a big shift in you or has it been quite uh cementing turning 30 I feel like I didn't have this kind of expectation, even though like- or pressure. Uh, pressure. And I think probably that's because I'm with someone that I wanna be with for the rest of my life and I have a child. And maybe if I hadn't had those things, I might have felt differently. Mm. But I think I felt really excited to turn 30. I don't know, I feel like I've, enjoyed each year of my life and really made the most of it Mm. and I don't know I'm like quite excited about getting older I think perhaps because what happens as people approach 30 specifically women yeah is there's that awareness of society had told us we'd have certain things by this time yeah and it's quite an archaic like system of you should have a family and like all that kind of thing Whereas the reality now is like a lot of people don't and that's perfectly fine. But it just does feel like you're walking on the plank and then suddenly that like timer gets pushed. It's like, (laughs) and countdown. (laughs) Your biological clock has started and it's going to run out. And that just makes people feel like this pressure. Do you think that motherhood is, you know, more children as part of your future now? Yeah, I mean, I really would love to have another baby. And I think that's definitely on the horizon. And I think it will definitely be such a different experience going into it, like having done it before, which Mm -hmm. I feel really excited about. What would your advice be to anyone that is going through their journey of motherhood at this sort of transition, either struggling with it Mm -hmm. or at the early stages of having a baby? I would say that like everyone struggles. Like I feel like you see like picture perfect, like baby that's sleeping and like that's kind of what the beginning bit should be. I think everyone has like challenging moments with their child, whether that's reflux or like sleep or tantrums or like eating, like I don't know anyone that's like breezed through everything. Um, 
talk about it with people, like even if they don't get it, like they want to be there for you. Reading really helped me a lot. Like even just having a little plan in action, whether it's like a new technique to try to help with tantrums or whatever the issue is, I felt like empowered because sometimes feeling powerless and just not knowing what to do is really challenging. So like- And isolating. Yeah, exactly. So even if it's just like a little tip or something new that you're gonna try, even if it doesn't work, it feels like you've like made the effort or like you're taking your power back a little bit because you can feel quite powerless. Go easy on yourself. Like you can't be the perfect mother and you will make loads of mistakes along the way, but if you are present and you're listening and you're showing up for them, I think that's like the best thing you can do as a parent. And I think in the era that we're living in where like we're glued to our phones all the time, it's so challenging. Mm. And parenting can be incredibly boring and like actually looking at your phone can be more interesting at times. And I think it's like retraining yourself to- Be present. To be present and to like, push through those boring moments because you will get more connection with yourself and you'll understand yourself more because actually we're not bored enough and I think boredom is like a gift yeah it gives space to those creative moments Brene Brown actually talked about it in something and she she was supposed to start her her book and her husband was like I'm going to take the kids so you can so you can start for a couple of days and he went off and came back and he was like, how, how much have you written? She was like, I haven't written anything. <laughs> and he was like, uh, what have you been doing? She was like, nothing. I've just been doing absolutely nothing. And they got in a huge argument, but actually that then became her process because when she created that kind of boredom in that space and allowed herself to just like be, yeah, then the creativity started to flow and, and came in in its own moments because you, you can't force that stuff. So it's kind of like a similar thing. Yeah, and I think it's those thoughts that you bubble down, like, do I really like my job? Like, is that friend a true friend to me? Like, should I be switching up my exercise? It's not really working for me. What, whatever those thoughts are, like, that we often push down because we just continue on with, like, that repetitive life cycle that we yeah. live in with the people that we spend our time with and the things that we do and the choices that we make. Okay. Actually having a bit of stillness, you can listen to those, like inner thoughts and that intuition and I still resist it like you know I'll pick up my phone or like not want to like listen to myself but when I do intuition for me is like something that like helps me so much with decisions and like you know where I'm going or like what what I should choose and I think like actually those are the moments that like fine-tune it more Mm, I love that Well, thank you very much, Mads. I think that's a beautiful note to end things on. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And sharing sharing your journey. (laughs) I think everyone will really enjoy it. I hope so. As someone who feels a long way off motherhood myself, there is no fixed course with this. I know I joke about post-30, the biological clock starts ticking. And a lot of people feel this pressure. But we all have our own rhythm and journey in this life. I could talk to Maddie about anything, and we do talk about anything and everything. She has this very soft disposition about her, and I feel that she is almost more of a sister to me sometimes. Miscarriages are something that a lot of my friends have experienced. They are actually incredibly common, but it's not that it's any easier, and it can really take you by surprise, you know, hormonally, emotionally, physically. 
I think that it's a lot to deal with and no one really warns you about this during your first pregnancy. You know, I'd like to talk more about this subject from a different angle at another point around a woman's purpose. You know, motherhood isn't for everybody. And although it was Maddie's experience and journey, it's important to acknowledge it's not everyone's. I sometimes question whether it's mine and I think it's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a woman. So feel free to send your thoughts on the matter. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at Kaggy's World and Maddie at Madeline underscore Shaw underscore and Nora at Stars Incline. I really appreciate all your feedback and hearing from you guys who have listened in and I like to think of it as a conversation amongst friends. So thank you very much for listening and being part of this journey with me. Saturn Returns is a Feast Collective production. The producer is Deborah Dudgeon and the executive producer is Kate Taylor. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and remember, you are not alone. Goodbye.